when you walk inside, I want you to enjoy the physical space. So the doors are always closed at Gideon's unless we open it for you to walk in. And when you walk inside, it is a very transformative space. Escapism, I think, is why we work so well on Disney property, because people are there for escapism. And we exemplify that mindset. So you are transported into essentially a Victorian bookstore that just happens to have baked goods around. But the first visual that you get are books. And the feel that I was trying to represent at the Disney Springs location is a bookstore that has been there for so long that it's continued to grow on its own. So the bookshelves actually twist and curve up the wall and there's cool. some floral that's coming out of some of the bookshelves and are sitting on top uh, and the lights flicker and move and change colors and it's a very organic very comfortable space welcome to uncooked a podcast serving up raw insights for marketers as we hear the unfiltered truth from industry experts brands and the target audiences we serve in their own words I'm your host, Jacqueline Lieberman, and today on Uncooked, I'm speaking with the owner and creator of Gideon's Bakehouse, Steve Lewis. Steve has been on a mission for 15 years to create the perfect cookie, which has led him to the land of experiential branding and a product that actually really stands out even in a community surrounded by the magic of Disney. This episode is longer than most, and it's on purpose. I wanted to take you on a journey and let this story about Gideon, a kid baker from the year 1898, wash over you. So enjoy. Steve, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. I'm psyched to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. What is Gideon's Bakehouse? Introduce Gideon's Bakehouse and then I want to understand your journey in starting it. Gideon's Bakehouse, you would think would be an easy thing to explain, but in the way that it exists in my head, it's a complicated thing. Because it's an expression of me. It's a creative project that started when I was a teenager on a journey to create a chocolate chip cookie that I wanted to enjoy. I never really set out to open up a bakery. But on the surface, Gideon's Bakehouse is a local bakery here in Central Florida that specializes in almost half-pound cookies. They take 24 hours to prepare. Everything we do is completely scratch-made handmade, and we are known for those cookies first and foremost. But we also specialize in scratch-made cakes, and I'm rather obsessed with the cold brew. So at its surface, Gideon's is all about cookies, cake, coffee, I mean, uh, which I think just make a perfect world together. Yeah, what's better than that, really? That's like the trifecta of life right there. But Gideon's with more depth to me as an art gallery. And I don't just mean that in that food is art, because it is. But we also add elements of artistry and lore into Gideon's Bakehouse. I don't ship. I don't deliver. You have to go to a Gideon's to get the full experience. And that, to me, I think is what makes us quite a bit unique compared to your average bakery. For a lot of people that visit us every day, it is about that full experience of the immersion in the space the conversations that we have with our guests and being just an incredible community-based small business. And then, of course, doing our best to put the best desserts we know how to make out there. So you just hit the nail on the head right there is that it's kind of like an art gallery. But I think there is a huge spectrum between opening up a bake shop and having this experience that you've created. How did you get there? 
you know, how did you go from, I want to create the most perfect chocolate chip cookie (laughs) to creating this amazing retail experience, which I definitely want to get into, you know, paint a picture for listeners who haven't been there yet. It's been a long journey for me. I started in music very young and started playing professionally at 14, 15 years old, which really started to give me a sense of branding and marketing and community building almost subconsciously as I'm learning what it means to create a community. And that was extremely appealing to me, even as a young introvert who doesn't really like to get out there and talk and interact. But it was a skill that I learned that really is an art form. And I think that was probably the first step for me with Gideon's But I had a bad surgery on one of my hands, which caused me to retire from music. And the second thing that I wanted to do when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a musician, but I also wanted to own my own comic book store. Comic books. Yeah. And I moved to Orlando and I started working for comic shops around town. I'm like, I got to learn this business. You know, this is going to be fun. I've never really worked before outside of the music world. And the marketing brain in me realized that as a comic book lover, I wasn't a fan of comic book shops at the time and the way that they presented themselves visually posters taped to the windows, product on the floors. It just really didn't work for me. So I ended up opening up a shop in Winter Park called Uberbot, which was a really interesting kind of pop culture art gallery that not only featured comics and original art from comic artists, but a lot of things like designer toys and just really interesting, unique collectibles. And It was there that Gideon's was actually born. While it was always in the background for me creating these cookies for myself, I started actually bringing them to the art gallery shows and giving them to people. And they (laughs) just kind of freaked out on me. And, uh, you know, that 2008 crash hit hard and it hurt my business and put it under. And I started selling cookies out of my house. And it just kind of slowly evolved over the years. And I was actually very resistant to the idea of opening up a bakery. I didn't think that I could support myself with a menu of what was really just five cookie flavors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was wrong. Very wrong. <laughs> you were so wrong. You were yeah. so wrong. Isn't it nice to be that wrong? Yeah. I've said before that you hear people talk about their lives and they, they'll talk about this special moment that changes everything. And you think, what does that really happen? You know, like I'm waiting for that, that moment as I move through life, but I did have it the day that I did a pop-up at the East end market for Gideon's Bakehouse. I realized on the very first day of that pop-up that that was what the universe wanted me to do. And it all just started to unfold in my head on that very first day. And what is happening now leads directly back to that first day of realizing that there are great possibilities for creativity and an exploration of who I am as a person and as a baker and as a creative brain. And it's been a great journey. I've been having a great time. Yeah, it looks like you're having a great time. I need to ask, how did you land on the name Gideon? I am a collector of old books. I grew up loving to read as difficult as it is to do these days. Hmm. Uh, but I also just love the texture and age of old books, that smell, and it's the hunt for specific books or just beautiful books from an artistic level. And I remember being in an estate sale and I bought a collection of old Victorian books and I found a cookbook in there that had handwriting in it from a little kid. And handwriting in older books is hard to come by because it's yeah. usually faded. But there was just enough legible to tell that it was a kid that wanted to be a baker when he grew up. 
And when it became time to really take the bakery seriously, I decided to open up that kid's bakery. Oh, that's uh, the cool. date the book was published was 1898. So a lot of the reason why we look the way we do is because that's a Victorian age visual. And we even have on our sign established 1898. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because I do want to paint a picture. So for people unfamiliar with Gideon's Bakehouse, I would draw the parallel and you might hate this parallel, but when I first visited your website and your Instagram, I got this very Tim Burton nightmare before Christmas vibe in terms of your design look and feel. Yeah, you can say that. And it's not really a theme in that it's very much my personal aesthetic. You're just a dark a guy. Little being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I like when I envision who Gideon might have been, he was a creepy little kid. Uh, <laughs> and I was a creepy little kid. And, you know, it turned into a creepy little adult. So it's very natural for me. And I think that's a lot of the reason why there's an authenticity to Gideon's. And it's not just like, oh, I walked into some themed restaurant. Right. It doesn't feel like that because it's not. It's you know, the books that are on the shelves are authentically Victorian. And I collected them myself. A lot of the books at the original Gideon's and the antiques came from my house because I had no money when I opened up that location. So I had to rob from myself. <laughs> Yeah. To create the decor of the store. So being someone that enjoys art and art collecting, obviously there's a lot of influences. The biggest one actually being Edward Gorey. So I do him hear Tim Burton a lot, and it's certainly not an uh, inappropriate thought process to think that he might be an influence uh, because Tim Burton is amazing and I do love his stuff. But the original influence was Edward Gorey. I think he's popular for having like the alphabet of these like children, if you Google Edward Gorey, he's got an alphabet for all of these different children and how they died. And oh my it's God. Very dark, but <laughs> kind of adorable at the same time. And Gideon's isn't trying to be a horrific thing. There's nothing horror about Gideon's fake house. To me, it's just calming and whimsical. If you really look at the things in the store, it's beautiful. You know, there's, yeah. there's beauty in it. There's a romance to it. The darkness to me, because it's a very dark space, is kind of representative of a little melancholy. So uh, there's a little sadness to Gideon's Bakehouse as well. I've often joked that the secret ingredient in uh, Gideon's cookies are my tears. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say child's tears, and then I was going to be like, okay, now well, we're going a little too far. Well, I will say that when children walk into the store and they do start crying, I ask the staff to quickly harvest those tears so that we can use them in future products. I speak about a brand's raw truth on this podcast a lot, but here you have a business that has been built on a fictional story about a kid baker named Gideon. So you might argue, where's the authenticity? It's all made up, but it's actually not. For Steve, it's very real. Gideon's Bakehouse is a visual representation of his personal value prop of romantic self-expression so unique that customers are sold before they even walk in the door. This is a great reminder for entrepreneurs who might think, well, the world doesn't need another X, Y, or Z, so why should I do it? The world might not need another bakery, but there is no other Gideon's, and that's the difference. Gideon's Bakehouse is true brand storytelling, leading visitors on a journey paved 
with the founder's imagination of melancholy, a little whimsy, and yes, delicious scratch-made cookies. It took me 15 years to finalize that chocolate chip cookie recipe. And that was 15 years of bad days. So the cookie itself and the product itself is very sentimental to me and representative of some challenges that I I went through in life. And I think that's kind of reflected in the space. But I tell people that there's a beauty to sadness. Like I'm an individual who's very happy on the outside, but I can be very melancholy on the inside. But I describe my melancholy like a carpenter's song. You know, it's beautiful, but there's just that little tinge of sadness to it as well, which I think is representative of the human condition. I don't really think of Gideon's as a business. I think of it as an expression of self and a piece of this Central Florida community now. It looks like you've built a cult-like following around the retail experience and the cookies themselves. Talk to me about, I mean, you mentioned the chocolate chip cookie. It took you 15 years to create. Tell us about the cookie. Make our yeah, I joke that it took 15 years because I'm a terrible baker. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> but the truth is I'm extremely picky about, I mean, I suffer from perfectionism. And I say suffer because it's not a positive thing to be a perfectionist because there's no such thing as perfection. So you're chasing something that doesn't exist. And food is especially unique in that everyone's palate is different. Mm-hmm. You know, so what might be the greatest thing to me might be terrible to you. One of the things that I tell my staff is I never want to hear you say, if someone asks, why should I wait in this three hour line? I never want to hear them say, because we make the best cookies around or something to that effect, because there's no such thing. It's up to the individual. Our promise is that everything that we do is the best that we know how to do. So that chocolate chip cookie is a result of that. It's my attempt to do my best to create something that created a memory for me. And now I've tried to pass that on to other people. The main goal of Gideon's is to create a memory and to inspire people to be artistic and to celebrate these little things in life. There's no great thing that I've done by making a chocolate chip cookie that everybody seems to enjoy, but the small thing mm-hmm. is giving them that little bit of just joy, even if it's uh, fleeting in that moment. I'm glad to be a part of that creation. So I run the social media. I answer the emails. I'm very in tune with how people feel about the cookies and the art that our wonderful art director, Michael Reyes, produces around the product. And seeing what it means to other people is everything. We're a little over five years into Gideon's now. I went from one employee on day one to 160 right now. Wow. Uh, And it still just feels like I'm in my kitchen making cookies for a friend. Yeah. Well, that's that's, amazing. uh, Yeah. I think that's the way that people feel too. Like a lot of my staff is hired to stand outside and talk to people. And I don't want them to talk about Gideon's. You know, I want them to talk about each other. Yeah. Why did you think that that was an important call to make? I mean, because so from what I understand, you often have a huge line before you even open the door. It's very simply to me that that's part of the experience. So for the first couple of years of Gideon's Bakehouse, if you went there, 100% of the time it was me behind the counter. 
And I loved talking to you and I loved getting to know you. And I wanted you to get to know a little bit about me as well. And that's what it means to live in a community. And it's something that I learned more and more and more through my journey at Gideon's being a fairly solitary human being. I started to find a real pleasure in really deeply getting to know strangers. You know, I don't really think of anybody as a stranger. It's just a person you haven't gotten to know yet. But I really enjoyed that personally. And my biggest challenge in growth is the fear of losing that connection. So if you get hired at Gideon's Bakehouse, you're going to sit and talk to me as the grand finale of the interview process. And we're going to talk for, you know, an hour, 90 minutes about everything from what's your favorite cartoon, what's your favorite Star Wars movie. We, we would talk a lot of pop culture at Gideon's Bakehouse, but also things like, you know, what are your greatest fears? You know, what did you learn about yourself during this pandemic? I like to get to know my team beyond the shallow level. And I try to be as open as possible about myself as well. So I like that to carry on into that. Like at the end of the interview, I always tell my staff, look, we've talked about Avatar The Last Airbender for the last 30 minutes. If you see somebody wearing a shirt and that's your favorite show, I want you to talk about it. I want you to be excited to talk. Like, I don't care what you're passionate about. Everybody has different passions. I care that you have passions. Yeah. And I love hiring people that just love to talk about their favorite things. Because that's what Gideon's Bakehouse is. It's us sharing our favorite recipes with you in hopes that you love it. You know that feeling when you cook for family and friends all day long that come to your home at night and sit at your table oh, yeah. and have that meal. That's how it feels, you know. Yeah. And we try to have a great amount of care and pride in what we do. Very quality control obsessed. Mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that everybody's getting the proper experience. But yeah, to me, Gideon's is one part cookies, one part the escapism that is the physical space, and one part those conversations. And yeah. if you really think about it, and you look back at your favorite meals that you've had in your lifetime, there's a good chance that there was a server that day that really guided you through that menu and just talked to you and connected with you. And it elevates that experience. Every 10 minutes, I get an email or a DM yeah. that says, will you ship the cookies? Even though on the website, there's a giant, yes. on the contact page, there's a giant alert button yeah. that says, I know you're about to email me to ask yeah. for shipping, but we don't. So please, <laughs> please, please don't ask. cut down my emails a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I tell people, look, we make a handmade scratch made product. It takes 160 plus staff to meet local demand. I right. can't meet national demand. <laughs> right. Even if I wanted to do that, which I don't for various other reasons that we've touched on. Yeah. I invite them to come and see us that we would love to say hello in person. And again, my team knows that, that most of the people or a lot of the people that come in that line have already talked to me. I've set that expectation that we're excited to meet them. Yeah. So they have to say hello. Yeah. And if they don't, I hear about it. Yeah. And, uh, well, my, my team knows that too. Well, I think it's great. I mean, so I love the fact that they're already standing in line. They've already been greeted by a Gideon Bakehouse employee, spoken to in some way, already feeling welcomed. Tell me what happens when they walk through the door of the Bakehouse. I tell my staff that 90% of the conversation outside shouldn't be about Gideon's, but the final 10% should be preparing them to go inside. So before they go in, we want to make sure that they've understood the menu, that they know what they want 
because I actually don't want you to have to think about the desserts when you walk inside. I want you to enjoy the physical space. So the doors are always closed at Gideon's unless we open it for you to walk in. And when you walk inside, it is a very transformative space. Escapism, I think, is why we work so well on Disney property, because people are there for escapism. And we exemplify that mindset. So you are transported into essentially a Victorian bookstore that just happens to have baked goods around. But the first visual that you get are books. And the feel that I was trying to represent at the Disney Springs location is a bookstore that has been there for so long that it's continued to grow on its own. So the bookshelves actually twist and curve up the wall and there's some floral that's coming out of some of the bookshelves and they're sitting on top and the lights flicker and move and change colors. And it's a very organic, very comfortable space. I was there at three o'clock in the morning yesterday alone for the first time since the store opened. And it is my space. I love that. It is my happy place. Yeah. Uh, Being in that store is very comforting and warm. I said, it's not a horrific experience. It's a hug. Yeah. It's that we got you kind of darkness. I love it. And and I love it. So my goal with that location and how I remember pitching it to Disney when we had our first little sit down is I didn't want people to think of Gideon's Bakehouse as a bakery. I wanted them to think of it more like they're about to get on a ride. And that worked. I'm very fortunate that my ideas for that space didn't turn out to be silly. You know, yeah. like with the curved bookshelves, I remember thinking this is 50-50, either going to be, yeah. <laughs> you know, ridiculous and look silly. And the woodworkers are like, what? Yeah. You know, Mike's drawing little on a napkin, like what the curves could look like and trying to help them figure out how to work that into their software. Yeah. And we made it work. And the end result was we actually just won a Thea Award, which is an international award for retail design. Oh, cool. Uh, next to companies like Nintendo and Weta Workshop. Yeah, uh, and while I'm not a fan of food awards, because I don't think that there's any such right or wrong when it comes to food, it's really it's such an individual choice. I will take a design award. Yeah, I will, absolutely. I will, I will take that, that one and I'll, I'll put that one on my shelf. Absolutely. I mean, congrats. That's an amazing accomplishment. I'd like to talk about this notion of connection in business. Steve says the main goal of Gideon's is to create a memory and to inspire. So rather than say Gideon's Bakehouse is in the baking business, a more inspiring way to reframe it would be Gideon's Bakehouse is in the memory business. In a world of drive-through and mobile ordering, I think it's important to take a step back sometimes and reframe your business in a way that answers, what business are you in? And then ask yourself again, what business are you really in? A great tool for this is to ask why three times, and then you'll be surprised at the answer. The other part I'd like to highlight here though, is Steve's approach to connecting with his customers and his employees. So rather than just ignore the long lines snaking around the store, he wants employees to go out, talk to people, ask them questions and get to know them as humans before they become customers. He takes the time and the same approach to interviewing as well. Steve isn't as concerned with credentials, rather, are you an interesting person? Are you a person who brings their whole selves to work? 
I think this human-centric approach to business is how this little cookie pop-up found their way all the way to Disney Springs and to being in the memory business. I just love that. Let's frame up for everyone your entrepreneurial journey of how you went from a single storefront to having Disney knocking on your door. How did that happen? And not just a single storefront, a 286 square foot storefront. Yeah. Yeah. How did so that the happen? The original Gideon's is tiny. It's a hard thing to explain, mostly because I still have a hard time wrapping my head around it. <laughs> I am not a person of means. I joke all the time that I'm the poorest owner on Disney property. But I can't really speak for Disney, but I can tell you that they understand the shifts in what people want. And local food is why people travel these days. So their local people that were in my line at Easton Market, and at Easton Market, you come to Gideon's on weekend, it's you know 45 minute wait that can sometimes go down the sidewalk outside. And they were the people waiting in those lines. And originally, our conversations were small. Because someone as small as me is very untested in a larger space out there. But I worked really hard over a very extended conversation with them to share the full vision. I was very picky about what I wanted and I didn't want to settle. I wanted to do exactly what I did. Yeah, It just took a long time to make it happen. But I think the true answer to your question is... Gideon's managed to capture something unique in Central Florida with the kind of wait times and lines that you would see in a big city. When it first started happening, it was really hard. You know, people were very mad at me Mm. because there was a line or we would sell out. But after the first year, people started to realize, okay, this is handmade product. This store is the size of a closet. Right. Starting to cut you a break a little bit. Yeah. And it would turn into people showing up and their favorite product was sold out, but they would go, you know what? I'm really happy for you. We'll come back. We know you'll have that again tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow. And that kind of supportiveness from the community is everything. So at the end of the day, the answer is how did somebody tiny like me end up at Disney Springs? East End Market customers is how we ended up doing that. You mentioned earlier that Gideon's became kind of like a cult. It was just so amazingly supported. And that's a very small location that finding it gives you this sense of discovery. My actual worry in going to Disney Springs, I was actually resistant to doing something that big at first because I love being a small business. I didn't want to jeopardize that. But I feel like we did it in a way that maintains the authenticity of what the Gideon's experience is on an international stage. But again, all of that was possible because the community did and has continued to support what we do. And my hope and one of my personal goals is that it just opens up a door for more people like me. Small business doesn't have to be tiny in their locations and restricted to their little corners. There is potential in growth. And I say that as someone that has no interest in having a gazillion Gideon's Bakehouses. <laughs> you know, <laughs> doing a second one was a challenge for me. Yeah. But we get to represent what small business is on an international stage. We get to be out there every day, not only talking about our favorite Disney things, but talking about our favorite Central Florida things, talking about our favorite restaurants in Winter Park. It's a blast and it's an honor that I just feel gratitude for every day. You know, every brand is rooted in some sort of fundamental raw truth, and that's distinctive, 
It's characteristics that are usually unchangeable by marketing, by business objectives. So can you just talk about what's the raw truth behind Gideon's Bakehouse that's considered to be distinctive and unchangeable for you? I think the core of Gideon's Bakehouse has become the community. It's something that we've talked about in the build-up to this question is really why. But the depth of it is really just creative expression. Everything that we do has to have that purpose of journey and learning something about who I am. And now I get to say who we are as I try to create opportunities for my staff to grow. But if you are working for Gideon's Bakehouse and you're behind that curtain, you're going to hear a phrase very often, and that's, what's the right thing to do? So I become very sensitive to people saying they're proud of me and so great to see these accomplishments. And there's that part of me that's like, I just make a cookie. You know, it's not that big of a deal. The real greatness, I think, that people should strive for is service to others. So what you hear behind the scenes at Gideon's Bakehouse all the time is what's the right thing to do. And when I say that, I mean it not just for us, but for the team, for the guests, for the planet. We try to be very conscious about all of those things and be a really inclusive business that is trying hard to create opportunity for those around us. That could be developing the team to be better people and learn skills. And, you know, I love doing secret slices at Gideon's Bakehouse where we release a cake that's only available for one day and you have to know the code to do it. It's been hard for us to do since we opened up at Disney Springs, but I love that because it's rooted purpose is to allow bakers to go off my menu and explore their own creativity. And I might have a baker that comes to me and says, Oh, I really want to do this flavor profile. Mm -hmm. And they present me with a sample. And if I love it, we release it for a day. And oh, that's cool. Those kind of things make me happy. What I loved about owning the art gallery, Uberba, was giving opportunity to the local artists. Mike is our art director at Gideon's, and he had his first art gallery show, and I met him at Uberba, and we've just been amazing friends ever since. And I love being able to give platform to others. One of the things that I adore about Gideon's is our merchandise. Not because there's this capitalist brain that wants to squeeze everybody and upsell them. <laughs> I joke that my secret weapon as a business owner is that I'm a terrible capitalist, that I'm putting experience always first. <laughs> but I love that our candles are made by a husband and wife that make them out of their garage here in Florida, that now get to make hundreds and hundreds of candles a week for us because we've been able to offer up that platform. That's cool. Um, our cold brew uses Lineage Bean, which is an amazing local roaster that I just love. There are neighbors at Easton Market. We have Kelly's Homemade Ice Cream for Hot Cookie Hour. I love working with small businesses to bring into mine and give them even more exposure on the international stage yeah. you know, that we have now. So I'm trying to utilize that space to benefit others. So service to others is kind of the hidden purpose of Gideon's Bakehouse. That's very cool. A secret code to get a special slice of cake? What? 
But seriously, I do love seeing the continued trend of businesses using their specific platforms to showcase like-minded goods and services. If it's scratch made and brings people joy, like scented candles and cold brew, then it has a natural place at Gideon's. I also find it interesting the way Gideon's raw truth of service to others shows up in the workplace culture by asking, what's the right thing to do? We often think of corporate social responsibility or DEI as being these huge complex initiatives that takes months to roll out. When in fact, if we could just ask ourselves one simple question of what is the right thing to do, then I think we could create real behavior change. talk a little bit about your creative process of how the hell do you come up with some of these decadent recipes that you do? What's going on in that brain of yours that's like, yeah, that looks good. I mean, because all of it looks amazing and mouthwatering. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It just happens. Sometimes it happens by accident. I remember I worked on the peanut butter cold brew for like seven years of tinkering. And it was an accident. I actually put the wrong things in a smoothie. (laughs) I'm like, oh, actually, this is working. And then I got in touch with this peanut farm in Georgia, and I was trying to learn how to make my own cold brew. And then they were creating these different roasts of peanuts with X amount of fat in it. You know, we would try different things, and I just kept combining and playing with it. And then when I finally opened up an actual physical store, I didn't want to sell coffee because East End Market has lineage. And I didn't want to take a penny away from their business. And I still don't. You can't get cold brew at East End Market location. It's exclusive to the Business Spring store. So a lot of it's evolved over time. But for the most part, it's just, I don't know, it just pops in. Like take the February cookies, the eternal flame cookie. Yeah, and tell everybody about it, that one. Well, I have a lot of fun with that one. It starts with our triple chocolate cookie, which is really five kinds of chocolate. And then we add chocolate covered cherries to the exterior. Because when I think of romance, there's that sweetness, but there's also that heat. You know, you want that passion. So it's got to have some cayenne in there. It's got to have oh, some kick. Nice. Uh, Some flavors have been evolving flavors. This year, it has an infused cherry into the entire cookie. So every bite is chocolate cherry with this warmth that just hits you. And the faster you eat it, the hotter it gets. (laughs) You know, you can pace yourself if you need to. And we also have a fire and ice cold brew that goes with that. So if you really want heat, you can do a mocha with chili pepper cold brew. (sighs) that mixes with an ancho cayenne chocolate cherry cookie. Oh, you're killing Uh, me. And it's very, very layered. So a lot of it is just, all right, what is love to me in a flavor? (laughs) And that's what comes to mind. I love it. That's the brief. That's the brief. What's love to me? Go make that cookie. Go make that cookie. And that's exactly it. And some of it comes right away. And some of it, like the chocolate chip cookie, is years and years of tinkering. But that was the bulk of the work was the chocolate chip cookie. You know, yeah. once I figured out what my process was and that it was unique to me, because like I tell people all the time, like, again, I can't promise you that this is going to be the best chocolate chip cookie you've ever had. But I've eaten a lot of cookies in my lifetime and I've never had one like mine. So my hope yeah. is that it's at least a unique experience for you. Why is it unique to you? What's special about it? 
it's probably because I don't know what I'm doing. So my approach to making a cookie was just different than the average baker. I love looking at Gideon's copycat recipes online. There's a lot of them and they are all essentially at their core, a standard chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. That's not really what it is. I do things to that cookie in layers. So it's partly ingredients it's part process that do everything to try to keep the beauty of cookie dough in a deceptively baked cookie. So it's a very soft cookie that your first bite is a little bit more traditional. And then as you get closer and closer to the middle, it becomes more like cookie dough. And that throws some people off. Like I can't tell you, especially now that I'm out at Disney Springs, how many people a year will message me to tell me that they got a raw cookie. And I just reply by sending them the description of the cookie, which literally says we might have tricked you into thinking you're eating a raw cookie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's not necessarily just that, but that's one part of what makes it a little bit different. It's just not a super sweet cookie. I'm not a big fan of sugar. I don't use any milk chocolates in anything. I really work hard to have more of a rich experience than a sweet experience because that's my palate. I only know how to do my palate. So I can't really say beyond that what I think might be different about it to the average person. All I could say is I've never had one like it before. Yeah. This is why I love featuring brands and businesses and founders like you in that we advise clients all the time that they have to have a point of view, that they have to stand for something, that they have to hold their ground and what they believe in. And Gideon's Bakehouse It's all about that. It's basically created about your stance and point of view on what you want to eat, how you want to eat it, how you want to experience the cookie, all of this completely uncompromised, you know, and that is attributing to your success, no doubt. Yeah, I won't change a thing if you ask me. Yeah, see? That's, that's, you know, we'll get emails and say, hey, can I get the cookie with no salt? No. (laughs) No. Can you do almond milk instead of oat milk? Nope. No. No. Thanks for writing uh, though. Yeah. <laughs> I say no a lot and sometimes feel bad about it, but I want, like for me, if I walk into a coffee place, for example, and they have four steps that you need to take to create your coffee and each step has 10 different options on it. To me, that says we don't care what the final product tastes like. Mm-hmm. I've been in that store before and had that coffee and gone, oh, what is this? So what did I do? Because I chose all these things. So it's really all about controlling the experience. Gideon's is a closed system. I can't control the cookie if I ship it to you. You know, I don't know what the post office is going to do to it and its travels. I need you to come to me to get that cookie fresh the day that it's baked. I want you to experience the way that it is intended. I want you to have that cake slice the way that it's intended. I want you to enjoy the coffee the way that it's intended. And it serves me well. I joke about people asking a lot of the questions and complaining about it, but it's super, 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 super minimal. You know, the zero, 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 one percent. I obsess over that zero, 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 one percent. I will tell any listeners out there that if you send me a nasty message, I'm going to cry myself to sleep at night. So it hurts because everything is really personal. That's the double-edged sword of running my own social media. Is yeah. I do see everything. So yeah. if, you, if you want to post that you think my cold brew sucks and you tag me in it, I'm going to respond. It's <laughs> broken my heart.
Listening to the description of those cookies was like listening to a story. I just love that because this is probably one reason why I'm passionate about food personally, because the experience of presenting a good meal is so similar to how we experience brands sometimes. Meaning when I asked Steve to describe how he makes his cookies, he didn't tell me about the process per se, or the recipe even. He told me more about what it was like to eat one. Applying this to brands is not what you do as much as why you do it. And I think that could lead to saying no a lot. He talks about Gideon's as being this closed system where he can 100% control the experience that he wants for guests. Gideon's social feed is an extension of this control in the form of curation. Rather than post every whim of the brand just to hit frequency goals, he selectively posts with meaning. I can get behind that. Often as marketers, we can go crazy thinking about customer journeys and outlining every possible scenario of where they'll encounter our brand and then what we'll say once they do. I'd like to pose a different strategy, which would be to think through another journey scenario, which is what's the experience that we're trying to create first and foremost? And then after the experience, how did our product or service make customers feel? Does it make them feel seen like what Beyond Burgers does for vegetarians? Or does it make them feel prepared like QuickBooks does for small business owners? Or does it make them feel secure while on vacation, like having a ring doorbell? I think once you drill down to the value that you really bring for people, it's exactly where the magic happens. That's the role of marketing. It's pulling that brand truth out for someone to see it and then take it as their own. I'm glad you brought that up because I do want to get into marketing. Your Instagram feed is obviously a feast for the eyes, no doubt. Are you finding that that's a great channel for you? And just want to talk about how do you market Gideon's Bakehouse now? And do you have plans to do something different in the future? Social media is the channel. I've owned business where you had to buy newspaper space back in the day for mm-hmm. you know $600 for a quarter page ad <laughs> that ran for a week. And it's comically unimportant these days. Although I will admit, I really miss print media. I, yeah. I'm old school. I love to see things and touch things. But Gideon's exists because of social media. It grew out of that. You know, that growth that we had at Eastern Market in those early days was all about people coming during that pop-up before the space even looked like it does now, taking a picture of it, posting on an Instagram, sending their friends over, getting their cookies, driving away, eating the cookie at the stop sign, turning back around, getting more. And when they realize like, oh my gosh, what is this? Yeah. It's everything. I put all of my energies into that. When I say I run my social media, I mean it. No one knows my password. If something happens to me, you're all in trouble. I take the photos. I write every word. I answer as much as I can. It's getting really hard because we do get hundreds of messages a day. I finally took my first big vacation and I'm on like a mountaintop in Sedona answering questions as to whether the limited edition cake slice was still available at the Eastern Market location. It never turns off. But it's worth it. You know, that conversation is worth it. It really allows me to feel in harmony with Gideon. You yeah. know, we're symbiotic creatures at this point. I love that. 
So social media is your main channels. And what I'm hearing is that it allows you to obviously curate what you're putting out there. But I think also you like it because it intimately wraps you around your end consumer in a way that other mediums just don't allow. Correct. And I'm fortunate because I'm at capacity all the time. So I don't have to hustle to try to get out there, which I know is a big part of business these days. So I feel very fortunate to have the attention of so many people. I say without effort, although it was, you know, 15 years of effort to get to this point, but I'm very tactical about how and when I post on social media. I'm not one of those accounts that posts random stuff all the time. If I post something, it's because I want you to know something because there is information to know. So I don't dilute my account with nonsense just to be seen on Instagram. I'll do maybe a main feed post three, four times a month, more active in story posts for smaller things. But for the most part, you're going to get a post when there's a new product out, when there's a new piece of merchandise, when there's a new limited edition item, when I'm doing something special on the weekends. As I'm starting to grow and think about what's next and not wanting to do Gideon's, 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 I'm thinking about what a sister concept might look like, you know, what that might be. And it's funny because in my brain, I'm like, it can't be another Gideon's because Gideon's is a lot of work. And every weekend, like we're always doing something special, always reinventing something that we've already done or creating new things, drawing art, creating stories. A lot of the feature of Gideon's is developing that lore and telling those stories on a deeper level. You know, a children's book would be a great next step for us. I'd rather do that than have another store. And from a branding standpoint, I think that actually even holds more value. Might it make more money? No, but I'm very big picture when it comes to my business. I'm not looking at short-term gains. I don't have to. I'm a single owner business. I don't have any partners. I don't have any investors. I don't have that pressure. Right. So I get to look at Gideon's as legacy. You know, where do I want yeah. it to go? But as I grow and think about potential other things, I know that I could never duplicate what Gideon's has become. It sounds uh, like it's... It, it would crush me to do it. Yeah. But what I can do is I grow the team that I've gotten so close with now becomes partners in that growth. And I have other people that now can take on that journey that I've done. I would love to see someone having a voice in a different uh, business that I still have creativity in, but I don't have to live it every week and hour. I don't know what it feels like to be a business owner in that sense. Right. But when it comes to Gideon's, we're unique in that we have to almost be careful not to overexpose ourselves from a marketing standpoint, because we couldn't handle the additional volume. I don't want there to be 10 hour waits to get inside every day. Right now on a weekend, it's usually at least a five or six hour virtual wait. When I say wait for people that are listening that aren't familiar with Gideon's Bakehouse, we work off of a virtual queue system in which we take your text when you arrive and we will send you a text message when it's time to get into our short 15-ish minute line. But it's often a five hour plus wait to get into that line. Because there's just hundreds of people every 30 minutes that come in and want to go inside. And we're really fortunate to have that kind of spotlight and that people enjoy what we do because it's not a bunch of first-time people. We see the same faces 
all the time, there's a lot of loyalty in what we do that we're super grateful for. And we love seeing those community faces. But a lot of these familiar faces we see don't live in Florida, don't live in the United States. Yeah, I know. I'm really annoyed with you because like I'm literally, I thought my Orlando days were behind me and now I have to literally get on a plane. I'm going to ask you a question, Steve, that I usually ask all of my guests because I get such great answers all the time, which is write the headline five years from now in a glowing feature story about Gideon's. Wow. Five years from now, I would love to see a headline about the success of a Gideon's Bakehouse animated feature. So like I had pointed out, the growth for me lies in the artistry. You know, there's only so far you can go when it comes to the expression of the food. There's a massive untapped world, but it's also an untapped world that I know nothing about. And I'm excited to learn new things every day. You know, what is life if you're not learning and progressing even a little tiny step forward every day? So I love the idea of taking Gideon's into a much more story-based place. We're only a year in at Disney Springs, and I think we've made a good chunk out of that progress. If I were to do a secondary headline, I would say, and opens up their third location in insert other country here. I I also would am really interested what it would be like to open up a Gideon's in another country. Yeah. But still make the dough here in Central Florida. Oh, okay. Uh, And that's part of my process too. I actually freeze the dough before I bake it. The longer the dough is frozen, the more that flavor is going to come through. You better be careful if you put cayenne in a cookie and then freeze it for a month. It's going to blow the top of your head off. So even there are some restrictions. We actually have to tailor the ingredients, you know, based on production times with certain things because of how certain flavors marinate. But yeah, that is something that interests me today. This yeah. be, tomorrow, yeah, it might sure. be a different answer. You know, yeah. I'm a chaotic creature inside of my brain. What I think is cool is that the lore of Gideon, the child who wants to bake, it could be that there's more to that story than what you're doing right now in the bakehouse. And I could see that coming to life in animation or a child's book or, you know, something like that. I think that's cool. Both. Yeah, I think us doing stories is a great step forward. Something that I really want to do at Gideon's that I just had this conversation with Mike last night is I always wanted to put pages of a story in the boxes of the cookies for you to collect. I'm really happy that we've actually started to grow beyond just cookies, that people are obsessed now with the cakes. And just as much as I am, people are really enjoying the cold brew. And that's really special to me. Anybody that is listening to this, that has visited Gideon's Bakehouse and enjoyed such things, I appreciate you and thank you. Well, Steve, I appreciate you and I thank you. And thank you so much for sharing the story behind Gideon's Bakehouse. It looks truly amazing. And I will find myself in Orlando one day. I can already tell. Oh, man, where do I even begin synthesizing this brand story for you all? First, let me just say that if you've made it all the way to this point in the episode, thank you. My email is in the show notes. Let me know if you're into this long format from time to time. I don't know why, but I just felt like this particular conversation really lent itself to telling a longer story. Okay, let's get to some takeaways that you could start applying. First, I love hearing entrepreneurial journeys like Steve's because they're never linear. 
The thread that connects Steve's journey to Gideon's is creativity. Beginning in music, moving to his love for comic books and the arts, and then almost accidentally found baking. It shows that when your personal North Star is strong, there's no one way to express it. Today, Gideon's is about creating memories around baked goods in a physical space. Tomorrow, it can easily extend to children's stories with Gideon at the center. Either way, Steve thinks about Gideon's as being a platform for creativity versus a bakery. So think about what business are you really in? Secondly, it's really evident that Steve Lewis is a creative guy with a love of cookies, creepiness, and even some whimsy. He uses that passion to create a palatable love letter to the Central Florida community in the form of Gideon's Bakehouse. Steve attributes the addition of a Disney Springs location to the groundswell solely of his loyal customers of the East End Market in Orlando. That loyalty has allowed him to create a business where waiting in line, happily by the way, is part of the experience. I hope those people are listening and I hope that they feel proud of how their community really got behind this small business. Thirdly, after producing 36 episodes now, there's a persistent drumbeat that I keep hearing from founder stories. It's obsessing over the details. I've had guests talk in great detail about the specific cedar wood used in pencils, all the way to guests talking about how their obsession with human behavior drove intuitive technology. Whether or not you have your own business, Everything that you're responsible for doing and producing is an extension of self. Detail matters. And the products and the concepts found in Gideon's Bakehouse were cultivated over long periods of time. The only hustle you actually hear about in this conversation is the desire of Steve to personally connect with his employees and customers. He took 15 years to create his chocolate chip cookie recipe, seven years to create his peanut butter cold brew, His dedication to curating a very specific guest experience is about obsessing over these details. It would be so easy for him to scale and ship Gideon's cookies across the country, but will they arrive one big melted mess? Maybe. Will they arrive stale? A subpar customer experience is not even in the vocabulary if you have attention to detail. I truly admire this quality in the founders that I've interviewed, and Steve is no exception. The last thought I'll leave you with here is, I mean, in marketing, we talk a lot about show, don't tell, as being the key to memorability. One bite of a cookie, and guests immediately know that Gideon's is different. The Disney location is Steve's personal visual aesthetic. It's literally the door into his creative brain. The curved bookshelves holding his personal collection of vintage books, the lighting, the very specific way everything is showcased gives you the feeling like you just walked into the middle of a whimsical story about a kid baker named Gideon. It's a brand story that you won't forget because now you're part of it too. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did putting it together. You can learn more about Steve and Gideon's Bakehouse at www.gideonsbakehouse.com. This has been an episode of Uncooked. I'm Jacqueline Lieberman, founder and chief strategist at Brand Crudo, a marketing consultancy. 
If you want to discuss how your company can take advantage of any of the marketing concepts I talked about, such as brand storytelling, purpose, and values, this is what I do every day. You can find my contact info on brandcrudo.com or the show notes. If you like what you heard today, please follow the show, share it with a friend, and thanks again so much for listening.